What is it? It's your future. It's called a Stargate. Chevron 7 locked. Welcome to Walking Through the Stargate. I'm Brent. And I'm Zach. This is episode 187, and we'll be talking about Stargate SG-1's episode Mobius, parts Mobius. 1 and 2. Mobius. Uh, um, did I just miss the Mobius thing? Like, I don't, I'm not sure why it was called Mobius. Uh, well, we can talk more about that. Okay. Um, when we yeah. get to a spot, you, you'll just jump in and be like, this is the Mobius part, bro. Like, oh, okay. Um, so, hi. Hi, friends. We're Hi. an independent podcast, and you can tell because this is how we sloppily go. I don't know. Even the pros seem to slop around a little bit, but whatever. If you like what we've got going on, you can support the show. You can do that at buymeacoffee.com slash walking through, or the easier way is to go to our website at wtts.space. Space. And you can click on the little coffee cup icon in the bottom right corner of the page. Works on mobile, works on desktop. It's great. Uh, right there, you can buy us one or two or five or 15 or 500 coffees if you want. Nobody's stopping you. You can buy as many coffees as you wish. Uh, and if you do, you will get our eternal gratitude and uh, a nice thank you because we, that's kind of how we roll. I, I, I'm not sure if it's official, but that's what we do. Uh, if you really, really like what we've got going on, you can click once you click on the coffee cup icon or go to the website directly. You can click on the words walking through the Stargate and it takes you to the website. And from there, there's a thing called memberships and memberships allow you to do a recurring monthly contribution. If you wish, uh, we have one level. It's called the general fund because it generally costs us some money to run this thing. So if you want to contribute to that, that is wonderful. And we thank you for that as well. Thanks, everybody who has contributed so far. And additionally, thank you to those who have contributed to the wish lists, which two of them are like normal because it's like technology is like, hey, we wish to have better microphones. And that's real. And uh, but then there's also a wish list thing that uh, I'm wishing doesn't fund, uh, which is the Stargate Infinity watching. Uh, this is the non-canonical animated series that uh, is widely regarded as the worst Stargate. And I also agree with that assessment, even though we are only eight episodes in out of 24. So if you want us to watch episodes nine and 10, you can contribute to that little wish list item. And when it funds, we will watch those episodes and produce a couple of uh, podcasts and put them up on the main feed for all to hear. Uh, thanks to those. Well, I mean, okay. Officially, thank you to those who have contributed towards those as well. Unofficially, thanks. Thank you for contributing hey, Brent, to that. Just be non ironically thanking people. Just say thank you. I was that was that was the first part. But this is a this is this is a multitude. We we humans, we contain multitudes, Zach. And so oh. Yeah, uh, uh, this is a this is I, I feel conflicting things at the same time. Fine, there's nothing more human than that. Uh, I can't argue with that logic, if you, <laughs> friends. If you've got other friends that want to listen to more excellent Stargate podcast content that also examines deep existential questions like that, uh, you can tell them that they can find our show. Just about anywhere they can find a podcast. Uh, Google, Google Podcasts, Spotify Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio Podcasts, Amazon Podcasts. But on our website, there's a player. Uh, and my personal favorite is the podcast aggregator. You type in Walking Through the Stargate and you can find us right there. No problemo. So, Zach. Yes, Brent. If a person wants to reach out and say that they, they actually have... Uh, uh, they have developed a philosophical treatise on the concept of multitudes. And Ooh. additionally, they have found that while it might seem 
that humans contain conflicting things. They actually resonate in a particular way that can be described thusly and therefore are entirely consistent. How might they reach out and let us know about this groundbreaking, groundbreaking treatise? Well, if you have this groundbreaking treatise, uh, I mean, yeah, I'd love to look at it, but why are you sending it to us? <laughs> this is groundbreaking stuff. I mean, yeah, I mean, absolutely. You know, I would love to to read this and participate in it. And if you wanted to do that, you could do that by emailing us <laughs> walking through the Stargate. I can't talk. That's all I'm right. I'm so excited about this new groundbreaking research. <laughs> Doesn't exist. Maybe it does. Oh. We don't know. You know, we don't know. You know, it, it, all we have to do is go back in time and, yep. and steal a Stargate yep. and, or a ZPM. Yep. And, and, and it'll or all both. be, it'll, it'll change everything. It'll be fine. It'll be just fine. Close enough, at least. Yes. Anyway, you can email us at walkingthroughthestargate at gmail.com, uh, or you can go to the Facebooks and talk to us on the Facebooks. We've got a Walking Through the Stargate Facebook page and group, and blah, 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 blah. You can do all that stuff there. You can go to the website, wtts.space. Space! And when you're there, you can click on the link to the Discord, because there's really not a chat option on the website. No. Uh, other than listening to us, which is a one-way conversation. Yes. Like, you hear us. We can't hear you at that point in time. Right. Uh, because you're listening to us from our past yes which is, you know your future is, technically oh, yes Ooh, wow let's talk a big mobius strip there uh -huh. Brent. yep um or but anyway oh from the website you can go to the discords and there you can talk to not just us but a whole bunch of other people yeah about what's going on in in the world with with all sorts of things we've got all sorts of different types of conversations that are bouncing around there it's a wonderful thing yes so those are the way you can get a hold of us with all of that yep brent yes I believe it is time to dig into this episode, Mobius. Let us Parts get one and two. into it. Yeah. Okay. So, the director for these two episodes is none other than Peter DeLuise. Peter DeLuise. This is his fifth and sixth of six directing credits this season. Yep. Um, I think we actually saw him at one point in time. If I recall correctly, he like gave like Hammond a, a piece of paper or something. Oh, I believe it. Uh, I didn't notice, but... Sounds, sounds uh, I right. can't remember for sure, but I, I do, you know, anyway, he directed this season, Affinity, Endgame, and Reckoning Parts 1 and 2, mm -hmm. and then, of course, Mobius Parts 1 and 2. The story for this episode is by Joseph Malazzi, Paul Mully, Brad Wright, and Robert Cooper. Mm -hmm. uh, so this is the, the big four for those who are uh, are doing the stories and, and, and planning out and, and directing uh, the trajectories of things like Stargate. So, um... This is their sixth of six writing. Well, that's not right. No, okay. So the teleplay for part one. There we go. I, I missed, jumped lines. <laughs> the teleplay for part one is by Joseph Malazzi and Paul Mully. Yeah. So the story by all four of those guys, and then Joseph and Paul did the teleplay for part one. Yep. Robert Cooper did the teleplay for part two. Yep. Um, and now for part one, that's uh, Joseph and Paul's. Sixth of six writing credits. They did New Order Part One, Lockdown, Endgame, It's Good to Be King, and Full Alert. Mm -hmm. uh, and then Part Two is by Robert Cooper. Uh, that's his fourth of four episodes this season. He did New Order Part Two, Yep, Zero Hour, and Threads. Yep. Uh, we have a whole host of guest actors. Sure do. One of the guest actors that we do not have is friend of the show, uh, Gary Jones. Yeah, that's a bummer. He is not in this episode. Nope. But... Who is in this episode is David Hewlett as yeah. none other than Dr. Rodney McKay. Uh -huh. And we have Donis Davis Yay! as Brigadier General George Hammond. Yep. Uh, he's a one-star general, not a two-star general as normal. Correct. 
Uh, we say hello again. We haven't seen him in a very long time to Robert Wisden, who plays Major Burt Samuels. Yes. And we say hello again to Colin Cunningham, who plays Major Paul Davis. Yes. With a mustache. Yeah. Uh, we have <laughs> David James Lewis, who plays Cameron Belinsky. Yeah. Uh, this was, uh, I think this is the guy at the very beginning who was talking about rocks. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. yeah uh, yeah. and yeah. we saw him actually in the episode Heroes in season seven. Uh-huh. Uh, we say hello to Alessandro Giuliani, who plays Katep. Yep. Um, he, uh, of course, uh, I know him best as, as Gaeta from Battlestar Galactica. Yes. Uh, but we did see him in season four's episode Scorched Earth. Mm-hmm. Uh, he played Eliam in that episode there. He had the weird red contacts going on. Yes. Um, uh, by the way, uh, I was looking at this. His first IMDb uh, was uh, from MacGyver in 1989. Hey, so I uh, got to meet up again with um, RDA. Yep. Uh, we have James Purcell, who plays Dr. Hersfield. Mm-hmm. Uh, Hersfield or whatever his name is. Uh, this is uh, alternate Sam Carter's boss. Right, right, right. Yes, yes. Right, right. He was uh, born in Pennsylvania. He's known for Counter-Strike, this SG-1, and Supernatural. Mm-hmm. Uh, his first IMDb credit came in... I don't have a date on this. I, I neglected to write that down. It's a TV series, Quincy M.E., and it's not new. Uh, it was in an episode called Passing, and he played the character Monk Rollins. Mm-hmm. Uh, we also say hello to Georgia Craig, who plays Sabrina Gosling. Mm-hmm. Uh, this would be Catherine Langford's niece. Uh, she was born in Vancouver, British Columbia. She's an actress and a casting director known for Catch and Release, How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, and Dawn of the Dead. Mm-hmm. Uh, her first IMDb credit came in 2003 in the movie How to Lose a Guy in 10 Days, where she played the receptionist Candy. Mm-hmm. Uh, we have Jay Williams, who plays Ra. Yep. Um, I don't have a whole lot of information about him. He uh, was the guy who was trapped in the cocoon in the episode The Gift from Atlantis. Oh, okay. Uh, he's also Rainbow Sun Frank's stand-in. Uh, okay. There you go. Um, at this point in time, we can just note here that uh, that Ra mask that he was wearing basically made him completely and totally blind. He couldn't yeah. see us a thing yeah. in there which is why of course there were those two yes. uh, uh, women who were helping him into his chair and yes. then back out because yes. <laughs> Jay had no prayers yes, yes. I also able- noticed like you know they ri- they wrote into the story the fact that the chair like they moved the chair like you know like oh yeah like his his and, his attendants also just moved the chair <laughs> and, and 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 I appreciate the fact that I mean they did a great job of of doing what they could in that moment to make it look like he was regal and he needed these people to oh, fall yeah. over him and all of that stuff. Um and it was also very, very functional. This man could not see it. Couldn't see a dang thing. And that's a huge mask. Yes. I I mean, just the fact, like, when he leaned forward, oh, my gosh, the stress on his neck. You know, hopefully they had some kind of, like, I don't know, something running down the back of that mask to help offset the weight. Because you're right. Like, that's a ton of, or maybe it's lighter. Maybe it's made out of styrofoam. Uh, You know, whatever. But even if it's styrofoam, it's still huge. And, I mean, styrofoam, you'd have to be careful because uh, the weight up top, I mean, just, just. You know, physics would would push that down, even if it's light, um, yeah. and make that uncomfortable. Anyway, 
we also have Benjamin uh, Easterday, who plays Raz Jaffa Commander, mm-hmm. and Neil Shell, who plays Mr. Crandall. Uh, I don't have any information about them. Uh, in part two, we say hello again to Peter Williams as Apophis, Jay Akavone yes. as Major Charles Kowalski. Yes. Uh, and then we have uh, Christopher Pierce, who plays Bosworth. He's one of the guys um, who gets killed um, on on Chulak. Yep. And uh, he was actually seen in Heroes and Prometheus Unbound. Um, and that's, well, that's what we got. The original air date for these episodes was March 18 and, two th- and, 18 and 25 in the year 2005. Yes. Um, in the UK, the dates were the 15th and the 22nd of February. Mm-hmm. So number one on the charts in March, on March 18, it was still, uh, and the 25th, for both weeks, it's in the US, Candy Shop by 50 Cent featuring Olivia. Yeah. They were just still listening to some just, wonderful just, candy music. Just taking it to the candy shop. Yep. In the UK, uh, uh, in, on the 18th, they were listening to All About You slash You've Got a Friend by McFly. One of those things again. Ah, oh, dang it. It's, 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 what I'm kind of learning is that when these things happen, it's like basically like the single is sold with two songs on it. And since they do the charts based off of, of, of sales, then they got a list uh-huh. of both. And then it's up to me to be like, okay, which one do I want to actually listen? It took me forever to figure out that I don't need to play both songs. I could just pick one. <laughs> and, and, I'm, and I'm not sure which one was the popular one, but you know what? I'll figure it out. Well, you know, I mean, if you don't like either one of those, uh, in the UK on the 25th, they said, to, I don't want anything about you. And they don't want, they don't have any friends. <laughs> or that you don't have any friends. Uh, but they have a question. Uh-huh. Is this the way to Amarillo by Tony Christie? <laughs> so they got they got rid of that business. Oh, they, they, they don't want to talk about friends or about you or anything. They just want to know how to get to Amarillo. <laughs> okay. Um, so there you go. Um, so in the box office on the 18th, we were yes. watching The Ring 2. Uh-huh. Uh, and this is not like a second proposal. This is a creepy movie. Uh-huh. Yes, very. Uh, it's not a creepy movie about robots, but it could have been a creepy movie about robots. Sure. Uh, Robot, robots was number two. And, you know, if you have a creepy movie about robots, then you probably need a pacifier to pacify those robots. Okay, sure. Yeah. You know, and, yes. and, and that's number three. And, you know, one of the ways that you could find a pacifier to pa- pacify the robots that are creepy in a, in a you know, ring two type of thing is if they were like an ice princess and used ice to freeze the robots because oh. robots don't like frozenness. Yeah, that's true. And, you know, when they get all cold, they yeah. just kind of get a hitch in yeah. all of their joints. Very nice. Well done. Yep. That was good. Yep. And then on the 25th, we just have a big question. Guess who? 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 Uh, it's Miss Congeniality. Uh, two. <laughs> she's armed and fabulous. Of course she is. And she's fabulous because she's got a ring on not one but two fingers. Oh, hey. It's coming back. It's all coming oh, back. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, because she's fabulous and she's armed, she's got robots. That makes sense. She's armed with robots. Armed with robots. And there is a pacifier because apparently there's a baby in the situation and it's crying. (laughs) Because of the scary robots. Yeah. Okay. That's why they're crying. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. That's, that's, That's all there is. Well done. Okay. That's good. Good job. All right. So thank you. 
those are those 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 can be fun to do um <laughs> they can also be really scary <laughs> where are we going i don't know <laughs> it's like me with trying to do the predictions exactly and, 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 and i make a point not to think about how i'm going to try to do that yeah. until i'm in the moment <laughs> yeah yeah there's nothing like spontaneity yeah. except for when it fails well then still there's nothing like it uh, yes that's true um the it's just it, the the amount of chemicals uh, doesn't change. Just the type of chemicals does. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. All right. So what was happening uh, at around this time in uh, late March of 2005? Uh-huh. On March 14, the Cedar Revolution occurred where over a million Lebanese march in the streets of Beirut to demonstrate against the Syrian military presence in Lebanon mm-hmm. and against the government following the assassination of Prime Minister Rafiq Hariri. Mm-hmm. Um, on the 16th, uh, Israel officially hands over Jericho to Palestinian control. Mm-hmm. Uh, on the 18th, Terry Schiavo's feeding tube is removed at the request of her husband. Oh, I remember I had to look that. this up. Right. So, Terry Schiavo was a woman who had, I believe, a stroke, or maybe yep. it was a heart attack or something. Uh, this is in the early 90s yeah and uh she was uh her body was damaged enough that when they uh resuscitated her uh she was basically permanently brain dead and in a vegetative state yep and she was like that for more than a decade yeah where her husband and her parents argued back and forth uh, her husband said, this is a woman, she didn't have a, a living will or anything like that, but her husband argued that she would not want to live like this. Yeah. We should let her go. And her parents were like, no, we've got to do everything we possibly can. Maybe tomorrow she'll get better. Yeah. Um, and so this uh, went on and on for, deca- for a decade or more. And finally, yeah. in 2005, uh, they, were, they removed the feeding tube there. Uh, along that story... Um, let's see here. Um, I wrote that down. Oh, there it is. Yes. Uh, on the 23rd, the United States 11th Circuit Court of Appeals, uh, in a two to one decision, refused to order a reinsertion of the feeding tube. And that was the end of the parents, um, uh, uh, legal ramifications uh, options. Yeah. And so it wasn't too long. I don't have a specific death date, but she died not long thereafter. Um, so yeah, uh, living wills are, are actually important things. Yeah. That, and like, you know, like <laughs> talk about, talk about a tragedy. Yeah. Like there is no boy. Mm. There, there, nobody wins in that situation no. at all. No. Um, it, it's yeah. Um, so on, uh, talking about tragedies, I got more tragedies for okay. you, Brent. On March 20th. There was a magnitude 6.6 earthquake that hit Fukuoka, Japan. Mm-hmm. It was its first major quake in over 100 years. Hundreds of people were injured and evacuated, but only one person was killed. Oh, that's good. Uh, yeah. That's bad. I mean, it, but could have been worse. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Um, uh, let, let, let's shift gears here. Uh, on March 24th, the U.S. version of The Office, created by Ricky Gervais and Stephen Merchant, uh, developed by Greg Daniels, Starring Steve Carell and John Krasinski premieres on NBC. Yeah. So uh, that's a show that ran for quite a long time. Yes. Um, 
And then depending on if you were a shipper of Jennifer Aniston and uh, Brad Pitt, this next information would have been terrible news for you. Yeah. Because on the 25th of March, 2005, they file for divorce uh, due to, quote, irreconcilable differences. Yeah. Uh, and then something that will probably resonate well with many of our listeners. On March 26, 2005, Doctor Who returns to the BB- yes. BBC after 16 years with the debut of Christopher Eccleston as the Ninth Doctor and Billy Piper as Rose. See, now, now this is where this is where I start feeling old. And now David just threw his uh, his MP3 player across the room, but because um, he still uses well, one. You know, uh, but yeah. uh, it's been long. Doctor Who has been back on the air longer than it was off the air. Like at the time, gosh. it felt like Doctor Who. Oh my gosh! Right, well, it was like this gulf of time between uh, between the uh, eighth and ninth Doctors or seventh and eighth. I can't. Um, eighth and ninth. Uh, eight, between the eighth and ninth. Eighth and ninth. That's right. That's right. Yeah, ninth doctor, it was the ninth yeah. Doctor. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a, although no, I I mean the seventh and ninth, right? Uh, Paul well, McGinnis. Yeah. I mean, so Paul, so like, that movie so was. You had, you had 16 years between the eighth Doctor movie. Oh, was it and that? the ninth Doctor? Oh my gosh! So then, when did um, Sylvester McCoy stop? When was that one done? Eighty? No, eighty-nine. Uh, I don't know, but you know what? There's this cool thing called this is great Wikipedia. radio. This is great radio. Yep, yep. Okay, so let's see here. Come on, let's get the list of the Doctors. Do 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 do. do. Okay, 89. So 89. Yeah. So from 89 to 2005, or maybe that was the 16 years. That was the 16 years. <laughs> Paul McGann just kind of popped in there in 1996 for a one-off. Yeah. Oh, goodness. Uh-huh. Yeah, so that's 16 years with yeah. that one-off just felt like forever. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And now, yeah. Now we're 18 years past that. And we're, and we're and we've, we've finished the thirteenth Doctor. We're getting David Tennant returning as yeah. the fourteenth Doctor. Yeah, and then we've got uh, a new Doctor. I'm not going to try to pronounce his name there. Mm, no, uh, because I'm going to screw that up. But so. yeah. Anyway. Anyway, thanks, thanks everybody for going along our uh, time to feel old section of the podcast. Yes. Th- th- thank you very much, dear listener. Now, I guess it is appropriate that we were talking about a little bit about Doctor Who, because Doctor Who is a time travel, and this episode is all about time there travel. There we go. It all comes back. That's, that there was exactly the It's a point. big Mobius strip. It's all one. It's all Mobius strip. It's all one. Oh, there we go. Now I get it. Okay. There you go. So, um, yeah. So, a Mobius strip is, of course, when you take a sheet of paper and you twist one half, like a half turn, and then you kind of connect them together, and so it looks kind of like a figure eight or, or, you know, just kind of a, a weird little shape there. And it turns out when you do that, that strip only has one side yeah. um, and it just keeps going. Uh, and so it's, it's this kind of wibbly wobbly, tiny wimey thing. That's all one, but it's, it's different. all one, but it's different. Uh, and so I think that's kind of where they're going about with this. Makes episode sense. Here. Thank yep. you. Uh, and now, at, so, uh, you know, uh, alternate Joe, uh, Jack O'Neill has his boat that's named Homer, which is, of course, a Homer Simpson reference. Yes. It's not the only one that's in this episode. No. Um, this actually marks the first time that Ra appears in SG-1. Yeah, because he died last time. That's the, He died in the movie. That's what I meant. And so we've talked about him a lot, but we've never actually seen him until yeah. this episode. Yeah. So there you go. Um, O'Neill says... 
that Carter would not let him use the time machine to see the Cubs win the World Series. Yep. And of course, we're talking about the uh, 1908 World Series there. Uh, it is kind of interesting that this episode aired in March, but then in November of 2006. Whoa, whoa, I'm reading ahead of you. This is wrong. Was it what? It was. What's wrong? November of 2016. Was it 16? Yes. So that's a typo. Yes. Well, however, the words that are written there, they did win it just over a year later. It's like, no, no, no. They won it 10 years later. Ah, see, somebody screw. So this is why I mm-hmm. don't vet my stuff. <laughs> I just spew it out. Yep. Nope. Now, let me just double check that. But I am pretty. It might have been 2017. Let me see. No, 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 no. Because uh, they were supposed to win it in 2015, according to Back to the Future 2, right? Uh, Back to the Future 2. McFly yep, goes yep, out of the time machine. Yep. He walks into the Cubs before the won the World Series. So 2015 happened. We're like, the Cubs are supposed to win the World Series, and they did not. But they did win it the next year. So let me just they confirm that. They won in 2016. That. Yep. Yep. Now, in, they went to the World Series, didn't... Yes, or, they did go to the World Series. Because of what's this... Or no, they didn't go to the World Series. They lost... They, no, they, they, they were on their way to the World yeah. Series, but they, they, they should have. But then they sort just of. like laid an egg in nah. the national championship yes. or whatever. Yes, yes. This uh, is what it was. And that would have been 2000. Six, that 2006? Yeah, it sounds Ish. about right. Yeah. I don't know. Uh, that guy, that guy that, uh, that, that like caught the ball and he shouldn't have. Yeah. And everybody yeah. hated him for a long time. Yeah. Yep. For no good yep. reason. Yeah. So, um, anyway, uh, Chicago Cubs World Series 1908. Yep. Um, and then 2016. Yes, I just. And then 2016. Um, so Carter says that she's afraid that she's going to step on a bug and change the world. This is, of course. A reference to A Sound of Thunder, which yeah. is ni- Ray Bad Bradbury's 1952 classic story about a man who travels back in time. He steps on a butterfly and he changes everything. Yep. Don't step on butterflies. Don't step. Don't step. Don't breathe. <gasps> I mean, if you go in the past, Zach, you're in the present. You can breathe. Oh. Okay. Okay. But if you go to the past, do nothing. Actually, if you go to the past, you've already done something and therefore you might. Yeah, yeah, it's fine. It's not fine, but whatever. It already happened. Well, so, I mean, it depends on the situation because maybe you going into the past and doing things is precisely what needs to happen in order for the present to happen. Mm. In which case, if you went back in time and tried to do nothing, then then that would be the thing that changes the past. It's but almost as the past, if time travel stories are intrinsically convoluted and very difficult, especially when it comes to plot. You know, sometimes the best thing to do is to just strap in and take the roller coaster ride for what it is mm. and have some fun. Uh-huh. Okay. All right. Um the image that Daniel shows the team depicting Ra with a ZPM is actually just a slightly modified image of a real life uh carving. Mhm. Uh the carving is a picture of the pharaoh Akhenaten holding uh some sort of shiny thing to the gods. Yeah. Uh, to the sun god. Akhenaten uh, was the pharaoh who uh, was married to Nefertiti. Uh, they believe that Tutankhamun was their son. Uh-huh. Uh, there's still some some questions on that, as far as I can aware. Uh, but Akhenaten was uh, the known as the, the monotheistic uh, pharaoh, where he tried to throw out the entire pantheon of Egyptian gods and have everybody worship only the single god, Aten, uh, the sun god. Mm. Interesting. Um, it, it didn't go well for didn't him. Didn't go to plan. No, it didn't go to plan. Sort of like the um, story. 
Yeah. Well, you know, it's close enough. Mm. Uh, now, there are various signature elements in the musical score to Mobius. Yeah. Um, so, like, there are some things that, that uh, harken back to Children of the Gods, which mm-hmm. we hadn't heard since then. Um, there were also a couple of notes every once in a while to the uh, Atlantis theme as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, that's kind of cool. Uh, you know, just kind of add to the ambiance of all of that. Uh, there, I did note, I want to note a factual error before you, um, <laughs> get all, go ahead, uppity. <laughs> so when they travel back in time to 5,000 years ago and they're like, the stars are different. Okay. Yes. The stars would be slightly different in 5,000 years, but that slightly different would not make any noticeable difference to what we see or perceive. Yeah. It'd be like from here to there mm-hmm. uh you know uh no yes if you talk millions of years uh things would look different but we're talking about a few thousand years that's nothing that's that's like waking up three days ago and saying hey the stars are different yes. The stars aren't different from three days ago other than the, you know i mean if you go like two months or you know if you change different seasons then they'll be in slightly different places in the sky but they'll still be the same relative to each other mm-hmm. so so that's a factual error but you know Sometimes you just got to put the the harness on on the roller coaster and take it for the loop de loop that it's going to give you and just accept things as they are. Mm-hmm. Brent is going to have a field day with this episode. I can't wait. <laughs> All right. <laughs> 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 oh Sorry. <clears throat> Carry on. <laughs> Are you quite finished? Mm, no. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Um, so in in part two, we have uh, Dr. McKay calling this a gate ship, which yep. is, of course, a very nice, fun uh, nod to uh, the first episode of Atlantis when they try to call it a gate ship. And then uh, uh, Shepard says, no, it's, we're going to call it a puddle jumper. Um, but I, I did appreciate the, the it's a gate, it's a ship that goes through the gate. It's a gate ship. I thought it was clever. Yeah. You know, I, I just appreciated all that. Uh, and then of course the close enough line at the end is a Simpson reference for when Homer has to deal with, um, all sorts of time travels to get his family back together. And he thinks he's finally gotten it done. And then he's with his family and they all have uh, forked tongues. <laughs> but everything else is normal. And he's like, eh, close enough. <laughs> so uh, there is another little reference there. Yes. Um, it is worth noting that when this episode was filmed, um, and I don't know exactly when uh, compared to its airing, uh, but they weren't a hundred percent certain they would come back for ninth season. Uh, oh, and so they were producing this as well. If we did end, we wanted this to be a really nice bow. Sure. Uh, and so that's that's kind of what the story is is about there. Yeah. Uh, okay. To 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 say that this is and and a lot of people. So without going into too much detail, we've had a little bit of conversation about this. Seasons nine and ten of Stargate is kind of a soft reboot, uh, almost a surrogate SG 1.5 sure. type okay. of thing. Yeah. Fine. Um, and, and so this does function in a lot of ways as the series finale of, uh, Stargate SG one. Yep. Before you move on to that, that soft reboot there. 
Um, we'll talk more about that when we get to season nine in a yes. few weeks. Uh, so this episode title, uh, most countries, the English uh, or the Italian, the Spanish, the Czech, the Germans, the Hungarians, they all call it Mobius uh, parts one and two. Yeah. The French, on the other hand, call it back to the future. <laughs> Doc, Doc. What? That's a, I just sent you back to the future. I know, but I'm back from the future. I got to go back. Great Scott. That's heavy. <gasps> All right. So, with all of that, <laughs> shall we dig into the synopsis? Yeah, let's dive in. All right, here we go. Hey, hey, hey Daniel. Hey, hey, Daniel. Look at this computer screen. We have a brand new ship called the Daedalus, and it's mm. pretty cool. Mm-hmm. Ooh. Now, while Carter is geeking out about the new ship, she receives a phone call, but it's not for her. It's for Daniel. So, Daniel takes the call. Oh, sad news. Catherine Langford has died. That is sad. So, that is sad. So, Daniel goes to the funeral and is invited to say some words at the gravesite. After the funeral, he is approached by Catherine's niece, Sabrina Gosling. She gives him the raw medallion that was so important in the movie. Yeah. And in addition, she has a few other things for Daniel from Catherine's estate. And so, Daniel gives her an address to send it to. Yeah. Not long after, Daniel and General O'Neill are very surprised when a few other things Turns out to be an entire room filled with documents and artifacts. Whoa! Holy smokes. Holy buckets. Holy buckets. No, the buckets don't have holes, because if they had holes, it would all fall out. <laughs> but it's all there. <laughs> Maybe it fell out of someplace and landed there. Ah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so, as Daniel sifts through the documents, he finds something interesting. There is a sketch from ancient Egypt depicting, depicting a zero-point module. What? Oh, yes. So the SGC does some sweeps of Giza looking for a power source, but they can't find anything. So Daniel's response, well, we don't know where it is, but we know where it was. What? Oh, yes. Now, the team convinces General O'Neill to go to Egypt 5,000 years ago and just stag the ZPM without anyone knowing it. They just thought it was a religious artifact. They didn't know it was a power source. So, you know, taking it shouldn't do anything. It'll be fine. It'll be fine. Nothing bad could happen, right? It'll be fine. We're fine. And so, the full SG-1 team sets out on an adventure. Something they haven't done in a long time. They travel back in time 5,000 years. They sneak into Ra's temple. They actually meet the system lord for a moment. The jerk kills a local Egyptian because he was displeased with the offering presented. Yeah. That's kind of a jerk move. Teal'c disguises himself as a Horus guard. He sneaks into the treasury and steals the aforementioned ZPM. Mission accomplished! Mission accomplished! Ah! Yay! And like George W. Bush back in the day, the mission was not accomplished. <laughs> it was right around this time. A little just before, I think. It would have been just a little bit before this. Yeah. Yep. Four, when they returned to the Puddle Jumper, it was, in fact, surrounded by Jaffa. Oh, no. Yes, it was still invisible with a cloaking device, but there was a sandstorm that partially covered it, which looked really unusual. Yeah, it when, definitely did. I mean, it's like, well, ha- sand doesn't do that. Well, they can't attack the Jaffa because that would mess up the timeline. Right. And they can't mess up the timeline. No stepping on bugs. No. Jaffa count as bugs, I guess. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, instead... They decide to live out their days in ancient Egypt. Sure. Uh, 
you know, they eventually are able to bury the jumper and the ZPM in a location that will get excavated not long before they depart on this crazy plan. And so if all goes to plan, maybe uh, this is like plan B uh, or maybe C, I'm not certain. But anyway, maybe their future selves won't have to actually do this crazy plan. A, uh, in addition, they record a message on Daniel's recorder with a brief description of the timeline, what, what it should be and how to use the Stargate and all that stuff in case there's a problem, and they put it in a vacuum-sealed canopic jar and all of this stuff, and so someone apparently stepped on a butterfly. Mm-hmm. Great. Just great. Back in the modern day, Jackson is now teaching English as a second language. You make me so hot. <laughs> that, that, <laughs> yeah. That's not quite right. <laughs> Anyway, uh, Dr. Carter never joined the Air Force and spends her time double-checking other scientists' work. And just because... No, see, see, that's a dumb thing. And, and I appreciate that joke. Anyway, mm-hmm. uh, O'Neill has been retired at least for some time and spends his time on his fishing boat called the Homer. Yeah. And apparently Teal'c is still first prime of Apophis. Yeah. Uh, representatives of the Air Force approach Jackson, Carter, and O'Neill. It's a matter of national security. Jackson and Carter, because their lives suck right now, except <laughs> O'Neill is quite content on his boat, and he sends the two, sends the, the Samuels off and says, I don't want to talk to you. Uh, but the two, Jackson and Carter, are brought to Cheyenne Mountain. Yes. And they meet each other and all that stuff. General Hammond commands the base and welcomes the two doctors. No, these are not doctors who. Uh, these are doctors <laughs> Carter and Jackson. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <sighs> he shows them the video that Jackson made from the past, and everyone is quite stunned. Oh my gosh, that's me, only I'm cool. What? what? Oh man. The original Jackson implores the recipients of this video that if their description of things hasn't come to be, then someone needs to fix it. Mm-hmm. Go back in time and fix the problems. You know, what could, what could go wrong? Apparently, in this time, after the ancient Egyptians rebelled against Ra, rather than burying the gate, Ra took the gate with him, uh... When he left. And so with not having a gate to find in ancient Egypt, then naturally none of the things that, that made today's SG-1 happen, happened. They couldn't happen because they didn't have the gate. Mm-hmm. All right. Fortunately, this alternate Dr. Jackson is able to translate some of the hieroglyphs written by the OG Dr. Jackson that describes where the second gate is roughly. You know, it's in the cold land to the south. Mm-hmm. Okay. Unfortunately, you can't write longitude and latitude in hieroglyphs. That stinks. Makes yes. sense, though. Yes. So, Carter and Jackson want to be part of the expedition to go find the second gate, but Hammond says, no, you don't have any of the skills needed. And so they go to O'Neill to get him to help, but he refuses. Bummer. Back at Cheyenne Mountain, they are introduced to Rodney McKay, who is in charge of the research of the puddle jumper that they found with the ZPM and the tape recorder. McKay is just as disgusting as you would expect him to be, yep. and immediately focuses all his attention on Carter. Yep. Uh, just a quick note that uh, um, uh, David Hewlett did make sure that it was okay for the sake of the shot to grab her rear when he did. Uh-huh. Um, so, so, so the 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 actors were above board and okay with what was you know they they were not doing anything that was inappropriate there. Yes. But the character, ew, ew, yes, ew, oh yeah, oh ew, yeah, ew, ew. ew. Now, in the jumper, they've tried several times to press the buttons. You know, nothing has happened. But the alternate Dr. Carter is able to deduce that the various attempts to get the puddle jumper to do things had no effect here. 
but maybe had they had an effect somewhere else. Mm-hmm. And sure enough, they do the seismic activity monitoring and all that stuff, and they're like, oh my goodness, the the, the new gate is, is right here, just 50 miles away from McMurdo. Whoa! Yeah. That's actually a good idea. Super convenient. Well, you know, we're in an alternate timeline. Things mm-hmm. need to be convenient, mm-hmm. when, except for when they're not. Her theory pairs off, and the Stargate is uncovered and brought back to Stargate Command. Woohoo! The two later meet with General Hammond, who thanks them for their help before trying to send them on their way. Uh, They're not going to be on the team or the mission to recruit Teal because they don't have any qualifications. They've never actually fired a gun. No, no, missiles do not, or rockets don't count. No. No. And so exasperated, they only watch as the newly discovered Stargate is lowered into the gate room Mm -hmm. position. Part two. The scientists working on the recovered puddle jumper cannot make it work because they don't have the ATA gene. Mm-hmm. Bummer. Uh, General Hammond is assembling a military team to go through the Stargate and locate Teal'c. Uh, Jackson and Carter are still arguing that they should be allowed to go on this mission, but Hammond again says no, they don't have the right experience. As they are arguing, uh, O'Neill arrives to join the team. They are stunned by his arrival. Yes. Uh, we learned that he only agreed to join this cockamamie adventure because his friend Major Charles Kowalski asked him to. Yep. Dr. Carter tells everyone that they are going into an unknown situation terribly outmatched, which all the military guys already knew, but, you know, but she has an idea. If you take the jumper, it could provide the tactical advantage you need to be mm-hmm, successful. Mm-hmm. Um, yes, they can't operate it right now, but... They have O'Neill, and O'Neill can think it into working because he's got the proper genetic makeup to uh-huh. make that happen. And it works! Yay! O'Neill can use the jumper. Hammond agrees to let them use the jumper on this mission, but tells them they are under no certain circumstances to be time-traveling anywhere. No. <laughs> Don't do it. Don't travel through time. Don't travel through time. Um, also, O'Neill decides to take Jackson and Carter with him because, you know, I don't know. He had a soft spot in his heart. Maybe they'll be useful at some point in time. Maybe they'll be cannon fodder. Who knows? Anyway. <laughs> McKay calls the jumper a gate ship. Of you course. know, because it's a ship that goes through a gate. A gate ship. Gate ship. Makes yep. sense. So everything works and the gate ship travels through the gate to Chulak. Mm-hmm. On Chulak, the team is unfortunately caught by Apophis's Jaffa. They meet Teal'c. You're one of us, T. Help us. You're our only hope. Daniel, I don't know what you're talking about. Yeah. Unfortunately, Daniel is taken away to converse with Apophis. Apophis has got quite the hat on his Very head. Very nice hat. Yes. Now, apparently, uh, uh, Peter Williams had a pretty substantial pro ah, okay. going on. And he was unwilling to cut his hair for yes. this small part. Yes. And so they needed a substantial hat yes. to hide the, the fro. So it, it all makes perfect sense. But... Dude, that was a hat. That was a very anyway, big hat, yes. While Jackson is being interrogated by the system lord, Tilk wonders if what the Tauri people said is true. He then brings the video recorder with a message from the other timeline uh, to O'Neill and Carter to say, show me what's going on. And so O'Neill and Carter show him the relevant clip, and Tilk is like, what? Okay, I'll join you. Which is almost as fast as what happened in the pilot episode. So I'm okay to buy that. Yep. Now, Jackson is returned to the cell, but with Teal'c's help, they have the equipment they need to escape. On the way back to the jumper, Teal'c finds them and immediately shoots Jackson in the chest. What? Why? 
Why does he do this? Well, because Jackson is now a Gould spy sent to infiltrate them in all of the things that they do. Now, there's some tension because, you know, you walk in and you say, hi, everybody, bang, and you shoot one of the guys that's supposed to be on the good guy team. And, you know, so there's the problem. Um, but then uh, Gould Jackson decides that he's not quite dead yet, and he shoots some other people with his sidearm, and then uh, then O'Neill and Kowalski have to, you know, shoot him dead. Shoot him dead. Mm-hmm. Um, and then they hear sounds of other Jaffa coming. It's time to get going. So they book it to the jumper. The Jaffa are all around them. Kowalski is killed, but O'Neill, Carter, and Tilk escape into the jumper, and they take off. And they are pursued by gliders. Oh no, they can't get to the gate. What are they going to do? They only have one option. The one option that Hammond says, don't do it under any circumstances. And so they travel back in time, 5,000 years. Why do they do this? Because they figure that Chulak 5,000 years ago still had a gate, but it didn't have a bunch of Jaffa trying to kill them. And that makes sense to me. Yep. And so they return... To Earth, through the gate, to ancient Egypt. Yes. They have a new plan. Fix the timeline! Uh-huh, sure. Step one, find the locals. Step two, figure out step two on the way. Yeah. They land, uh, they land the ship, and they begin their trek. Now, they don't expect to find anyone who speaks English, but then they do. Yeah. Not only that, but they are introduced to someone they are kind of familiar with, the OG Daniel Jackson! Hooray! Whoop! Okay, here's the story. The OG team tried it to try to stay in Egypt quietly, but O'Neill and Teal decided that it was that there was going to be a rebellion in ancient Egypt anyway. Maybe they could be a part of it. And they went a little bit too fast, and their first attempt failed. As a result, the OG team was killed except for Daniel. Since then, Daniel has been working to set up a rebellion, but he's been working much more slowly and much more methodically. Mm-hmm. They have a bunch of weapons stockpiled in hidden cavern places under tents and such. So, you know, it's perfect. It makes sense. Uh, but since the alternate SGSG team here, they clearly didn't, things didn't go as planned. So they have a new plan. Do the same thing we did before, but this time uh, steal the gate and hide it so that Rock can't take the, the, the gate with him when he leaves. It sounds like a perfect idea. Yes. The jumper with its cool cloaking device will help us with this. Wait a minute. That ship has a cloaking device? That would have been very useful. I'm sure I said that on the tape. I'm sure I did. Nope, you didn't. Mm-hmm. Anyway, Carter and O'Neill return to the jumper while Teal and Daniel discuss tactics. Our heroes get to the jumper. Unfortunately, the cloak isn't working due to the damage to the ship. Carter works to fix it, and then the Jaffa decide to wander this way. Yeah. Fortunately, Carter is able to get the cloak working uh, for just a moment. And fortunately, after the Jaffa get there, and like, oh, there's nothing here. What are we doing here? And then the cloak fizzles out, and then there's a ship there, like, oh my goodness! Our heroes call for help! 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 Carter O'Neill hide in the back section of the jumper. Sparks are flying everywhere as the Jaffa outside barrage the ship with staff blasts. The two think this may be the end. They admit to each other that they are, in fact, attracted to each other, and they kiss. More sparks, sparks fly! Oh! Outside the ship, Daniel. Outside the ship, Daniel and Tilk arrive and are able to save the day with the help of the ancient Egyptian rebels. Yay! Back in the present day, SG One is sitting together watching a video of Daniel describing what they did in ancient Egypt and what the timeline should look like. Next to them is a fully functional ZPM. O'Neill asks, "So, if, if what they said is true, we don't have to do anything?" Carter gives the affirmative. Great. 
We're good. Mm-hmm. O'Neill sends the ZPM to the eggheads. Carter wants to join them, but she has some packing to do. SG-1 sits on the edge of O'Neill's pond, fishing. Carter says that this is actually quite nice and that they should have done this a long time ago. Carter looks up and watches as a fish breaks the surface of the pond, splashing around. Didn't you say there were no fish in your pond? O'Neill turns and looks at Carter and says, Close enough. Close enough. The end. The end. Okay, Brent. Yeah. Mobius. Yeah. Tell me your thoughts. This, this, this story had so many problems. So many problems, Zach. There, like, the story itself, what was, the story was, like, all, like, muffled up and kind of muddied and, like, to the point that the resolution at the end, like, is the team on the screen our SG-1 or a different SG-1? Because it's the it's a different SG-1. So where so our SG-1 is dead. Uh, the the quasi SG-1. I don't know what happened to them because we didn't see the actual ending. And then this new SG-1 has everything they need, and but it's not the same. But it is the same. But it but is like what my I, what like. Setting aside like the little factual like space errors and time travel problems and the fact that they just like can't help but tell a time travel story like like what was going on? Where are we now? So that's like a big thing. And apparently our original SG-1 team just thought it was fine to just live out their days in ancient Egypt. Like that doesn't fit with the stories that we've been told so far. Like like. This is the first time that I think that we've seen them just be like, well, I guess we're here now. And like, sure, it was kind of explained a little later that uh, that 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 what was it? It was Teal'c and uh, O'Neill got a little uh, shifty and wanted to get something done. And that kind of led to the 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 early defeats. And now the timelines change, et cetera. But it just felt so out of place. And, you know, I, I, again, kind of like back to the factual errors thing, like like. They were able to recharge a battery that had been in a jar for 5,000 years. Like, I don't think that's how battery chemistry works, but somehow that worked out. And so on that, I would uh, I would make the assumption that they were able to replace the power source. Yeah. So, uh, OK. But they said that the technology was slightly different than the ones that like like there were it's it just. And then the, the, the second gate, of course, is like, what, 50 miles right outside of an American base? Like, it was just, like, super duper convenient. Like, there was just so many little things in here that if I decided to let that actually ruin my enjoyment of the episode, it probably would have been pretty obnoxious. But that's not what happened here. <laughs> what, what happened here is pretty early on, it became very abundantly clear that this episode was supposed to be... As you were saying earlier, a roller coaster that you just strap in and have some fun with that they were going to be playing it pretty fast and loose with some things. And if I allowed these things to get in my way, I wouldn't have enjoyed it as much as I did, because this episode was start to finish a delightful fan fest. There was no (laughs) way you would get a fraction of the entertainment if you hadn't been watching from the start the there was so like like the fact that uh carter 
in her argument to the chair before her boss walked in was just because she has her reproductive organs on the inside and then she castigates herself for who would say that <laughs> i oh, yeah. loved that because i just got done saying that like last week or two weeks ago or something you know yeah. to that effect. uh the that tapping was i thought that she was she was channeling the character of harold from the red green show which was played by patrick mckenna who had been a guest uh, actor i mean mm-hmm. like there was so mm-hmm. much harold that i was seeing in her portrayal uh the the, the 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 fun the fun the fun the fun the fun there was so much fun in these two episodes especially the second one uh i'm having a, I'm, I'm having a hard time kind of remembering all of the fun parts because they just kept happening it was just over and over again the the homages the callbacks the the uh the 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 way that they were playing around with their characters uh, the, the, it, 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 it was just a joy to watch, uh, you, you know, a little bit frustratingly, once again, Christopher judge was kind of, I mean, he got to play Teal again, but he had to play Teal based off of like season one, episode one, not, not kind of reimagined Teal. Um, but we got to see Donis Davis back. We got to have, uh, Colin Cunningham back with a mustache for crying out loud. Um, you know, we got to see Samuels whose actor's name. I can't remember right now, but like, you know, we got to see all of these faces that we hadn't seen before. Samuel, Samuels, Robert Weissen. Um, I was just going to let you figure that out on your own. Yeah. Like, like we, we got to see, uh, you know, uh, David Hewlett as McKay, but as McKay way back when, and Mm -hmm. like, kudos on them for having him be just as slimy and kudos on you know like letting amanda just play the part where she's wiping her hand on her pants after <laughs> shaking his hand <laughs> like you know and and uh and the little and the little grab on the behind i like you know thank you for pointing out that they were totally above board i kind of assumed it just because by this point um like th- the caricature of slimy McKay needed to be there. Right. And right. And, uh, the, 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 the fan service for having, um, uh, Carter and O'Neill just smooch it out in the back, in the back of the jumper. And then Peter DeLuise's correct and funny idea to have a little spark explosion happen just as they get out of frame. (laughs) was great um i really didn't like how like the 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 you know the rebel uprising happened over the over the the dunes and like that was it like we didn't see the plan in action we didn't see them actually steal the gate somehow they did they just sort of wrapped up the episode like well that that also is an homage to the movie where the where the 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 rebellion happens and then everything's just fine fly over you know jump over the the sand dune and they're all like yes and then they win. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> this episode is so. This is so good. <laughs> I I I knew that I wanted to uh, to to be a grumpy pants and talk about the grumpy parts, and then just admit that I was laughing out loud regularly while watching these episodes. I chose to watch part one last night and then I went to sleep and then I woke up this morning and I watched part two. So I had a little bit of a gap between the two and, uh, I'm, I'm feeling a little bit bad because what I want to do is I want to gush about the things in this episode, but there were just so many things to gush over 
Mm-hmm. Um, I liked how they did Chulak. I liked how the set was just like like the most bare bones thing because that's what it was in the pilot was just like the prison room was just a room with bars. Like that's all it was. Like there was no anything else in that room. And they did that thing again. Um, you know, like the uh, you know, seeing Peter Williams back was great. Uh, you know, having the character of Rob back, uh, you know, David had to text me being like, Raw was there. And I'm like, who? And he's like, you're not a real Stargate <laughs> fan. And I'm like, this guy's been dead. He was the alien's been dead for a lot. Like he's he was so far gone. He even looked like a different species. He was so far gone. Um, but, you know, it was it, but it, it, just over and over and over. And so to your point of how uh, many people consider this to be kind of like the end of SG one with the start of like SG one point five starting up next time. Like this makes all this all makes sense because it really did feel like a series finale. And mm-hmm. instead of having, uh, instead of have they 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 invented a problem for this for these two episodes. Right, it didn't tie into anything basically. I mean, it sort of tied into the meta aspect. Also, where's this new ship? This awesome new ship. Like we're like that's great, but like whoa, that's that came out of nowhere. Um, and now we've got a ZP there's when I Zach, when I actually think about the story, my brain starts to hurt and <laughs> I can't, I can't do that. I just got to let go. Like, like there's a new ship. We've got a ZPM. I'm going to pretend like, like, well, maybe it makes more sense if I don't pretend like I was going to say, I'm going to pretend that the team that ended the episode is my prime SG one. But maybe it makes more sense if I don't think that, because if there are changes coming, it might make a little bit more sense to my poor mind if I just acknowledge the fact that, you know what, it's not going to be the same. It's going to be different. And the reason it's going to be different is because Prime SG-1 went back in time and stepped on a butterfly (laughs) and then alternate (laughs) SG-1 went back in time and stepped on a different butterfly. And now everybody's got forked tongues. Close enough. Close Close enough. enough. Close enough. Oh man, I don't know. I don't know how much more I can say about this, um, without repeating myself. But I can't. I can't understate just how enjoy uh, how much of a good time I had with this one. Uh, and it had. And I know that I've. You know, normally I talk a long time about these things, and I maybe I've talked maybe ten minutes less than. Uh, Yeah. Um, Whatever. Yeah. And. But I don't. And most of that time was trying to say that there were bad things about it. Yeah. Yeah, there were. There were tons. There were tons of things that I'm going to basically ignore and be like, whatever. Like, sure. Like, could this have been written better? I guess. Sort of. If what they were trying to do was tell a story that somehow tied into the meta universe more tightly and felt like it did more work. Sure. But if what they were trying to do was write a write a pair of episodes that that people who watch the show from the beginning would just delight in seeing, then it's just a massive success. Like it was just so much fun to watch. Uh, if I if I think about what it actually means for the story, uh, uh, there was way too much that was missing when it comes to what actually happened in the meta story. But if I just say whatever, it, it I, I, I accept that it has happened in the same way that I just said, I accept what episode one, season one will give me, right? In that same way mm-hmm. of like, I don't know, what's your, what, what, what you all about? Tell me your story. It was great. It was really, really good. So that's kind of my where I'm at. What, Zach, what'd you think about this episode? <laughs> <laughs> so 
Uh, yeah, it's a fun episode. I like this episode. Uh, this is an episode that just is uh, a delightful romp. Yeah. Um, you know, so like we, you start off at the beginning and and things are just kind of going along as a normal SG-1 episode would go. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there's that flash and you see Daniel Jackson teaching English as a second language. And immediately you learn this is something different. Yeah. Um, and one of the things that uh, SG-1 does really, really well uh, compared to most other sci-fi shows of that era is comedy. Yes. Um, every time Star Trek tried to do comedy, they did it badly. Yes. Uh, I mean, Star Trek did a lot of things great. Yeah. But what they couldn't do is make you actually laugh and just go for a romp. Yeah. Well, back then. Back then. Yeah. Uh, I mean, things, yes, things are different in, in the modern stuff. Uh, and I don't even have enough, enough uh, information on the modern stuff to really go into that. Um, Highly successful, but we'll leave it at that. Yeah. TNG, TNG tried a lot, and uh, Deep Space Nine tried a lot to make it, and Voyager too. And they always yeah. kind of like didn't work very well. It never worked very well. Uh, but I mean, what they did was very, very good, but they yes. couldn't do the comedy stuff. Yes. Um, but SG-1 has always been able to uh, kind of within universe say do you have any idea how absolutely ridiculous the entire premise of everything is here <laughs> have you ever wondered if your life is just a stage play <laughs> yeah i mean you know so so like this i mean yes technically at the end of this episode we're dealing with a a double primed yes universe yes right because we have the prime universe and then we have the alternate prime universe and then we have this one here yeah. which is much closer to the original than than the the second one yes but uh apparently there's fish in the pond now yes um you know so yes that that's technically true but all of that was done to play for that joke yeah um and so you just move on and and you say we're good. Yeah. And, and you just keep going. Um, it, it, it's, it's delightful in that way. Um, you know, it's, it's just, it's a fun episode. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I do recall, I will say this. When I first watched this episode, I, like you, was like, what? Yeah. Um, and at the same time, I'm like, what? <laughs> but then I'm also like, Okay, let's just take that over there. We're just going to set that right there. Yep. And we're going to go for a fun ride. Yes. And, yes. and we have a fun ride. Um, and, and to see, uh, especially uh, Amanda Tapping and, and Michael Shanks yeah. play those characters um, so differently. Oh. Uh, you know, O'Neill was basically O'Neill in either universe. That didn't change a whole lot. He not, wasn't not a, a general. Uh, he was just a retired colonel, blah, blah, blah. Um, you know, so that didn't change a whole lot. Uh, Teal'c was also Teal'c. Yeah. Uh, he spent more time under Apophis than he did before. Um, but, uh, he, he, he jumps ship on that one just as fast. Yep. Yep. Um, uh, so, and, and, you know, if you assume his backstory, that actually makes sense. We've had the episodes that talk about that, that, that help us reveal why he seemed to have jumped ship on Apophis so quickly. Mm-hmm. And it really wasn't so quickly from his perspective, but we didn't know that. Right. Um, 
you know, but but uh, Carter and Jackson are the same characters and yet so different. And and you just kind of see the, the the body languages, the facial expressions, oh, yeah. and everything. Um, you know, it was just it was delightful to to watch that go on. Uh, it was delightful to see uh, Kowalski again, uh, alive yes. and well, and then yes. dead. Um, oh, speaking of dead, Daniel died again. Daniel died again. Yeah. Um, three times. Yes. He yep. died three times in this episode. Uh, uh, so, yeah. the OG Daniel died. Yeah. And then the alternate Daniel died. Yeah. And then we went back in time and the OG Daniel died again. Uh, wait a minute. When did OG Daniel die the first time? Well, we didn't see him die, but but after oh, they decided, yes, right? yes, I mean, yes, he, yes, he spent time and he died. Yeah, he got old right? and died. He, he got old and died. Yeah, um, presumably, or maybe succeeded. Maybe he died during the second rebellion that succeeded, but the, but Ra took the gate. Who knows? Yeah, he died. Yep, dead. Um, and then the alternate Daniel, yeah, got shot. Gets gets turned into a ghoul and shot and yep. killed. Yep. Uh, so that's the second one. Yeah, and then when. Th- uh, the second SG one sans Daniel goes yeah. back in time, yeah, and and then we meet the OG Daniel again, yeah. Um, then we go through things a little bit different this yeah. time, and that one presumably dies of old age. Yes, that's right. And then we go back to the alternate alternate reality of the the close oh, enough. Yeah, yeah. Then then there's also the uh, the the other the other the other factual problem. What happened to the jumpers? Plural or no? Carter so, said that we got to destroy them. So yes, so so uh, the jumper that the alternate SG one was using was the original jumper from the OG SG one uh, that had been buried. Yes, however, and found. yes, w- and found. And then when they go back in time, then There's presumably there are two jumpers. Yeah. Um, and presumably, and then they did talk about having to blow those up. So we're going to assume that uh, those both those jumpers are blown up. They now, blew them up. here's 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 a big risk on that because uh-huh. you know we'll do this. Uh-huh. Um, what if it didn't work again? What's that? What 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 if their plans oh, for the yeah. rebellion <laughs> and all of that stuff and hiding? <laughs> what if they stepped on a different butterfly <laughs> and 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 they went back in t- forward in time and we realized that it's still just as 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 not quite right. I tell and, you and what. Now, and now they don't have the jumper. <laughs> and then, and then let's add, let's add the other. Let, let, let's just keep going down this road here for a little bit. Uh, let's add the the complication of that. Uh, uh, boy, is it convenient that uh, individuals from the quote wrong timeline unquote are just fine with destroying their timeline <laughs> because because of plot. Like, yeah, haven't you always felt that you were something you desire for something more? Yeah, maybe I don't know. But uh, did you think for a second that maybe you're like you know? Maybe the people that you care for, or maybe they're doing better. Well, it's to uh, it's to Carter's point earlier on. Maybe we'll make things better. Maybe we'll make things worse. But you know what? You know what, Zach? You know what? You know what we shouldn't do? You know what we should not what shouldn't do? What should we do? We should not be looking too closely at that stuff. <laughs> because if we do, <laughs> it'll hurt our heads. <laughs> we should just stop that. Just, just yeah. stop. Yeah. Well, I mean, clearly the alternate versions of our SG-1 team are more concerned about the proper timeline than about their own personal timeline. Of course. The alternate SG-1 are just as noble as the prime SG-1. I mean, on the flip side, though, that, you know, even if, uh, I mean, at that point in time, you know, what else are you going to do? But 
I mean, Teal'c in in the alternate timeline has no desire to go back to his planet. Oh yeah, I mean yeah, yeah. I mean so that that's done. Living out in ancient Egypt, trying to kill Ra, uh, and maybe saving the day and 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 all that stuff. You know that 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 makes sense. Uh, um, yes, I mean, the OG Daniel is the OG Daniel, and so that makes sense. Um, Carter and uh, O'Neill. Uh, I mean, Carter would be able to say, even if we did take the jumper back to our timeline, quote unquote, um, it wouldn't be our timeline anymore because they've already screwed it up. Yeah. Um, and so at that point in time, they like each other. Yep. They're probably going to have babies in ancient Egypt because that won't screw up the timeline at all. Uh, nope. <laughs> I'm sure everything will be just fine. It'll be fine. Fork you know tons. what? It's. It's what was supposed to happen in the first place. Sure. Fate and all that. Yeah, that's exactly right. Mm-hmm. So, uh, yeah, it's a fun episode. Um, you know, it is a fan service episode. Oh, boy. Uh, it, it's, it's designed to, um, to just connect with the fans and say, let's have some fun with these characters, uh, especially if this is the last time we get a chance to see them. Yep. Um. And and here is also why. So remember, way way back when we were starting this podcast, and we watched Children of the Gods. Yeah. And I realized that you were watching a version that was different than what I was watching because you were watching the recut in two thousand nine oh, yeah, 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 yeah. or whatnot. Yeah. And one of the things they they cut out the 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 nudity and all yeah. that stuff, and they also cut out that line of Carter's. About just because her reproductive in- yes. organs are on the inside, not the outside. Um, and I'm like, no, you need to watch the original cut. Because <laughs> otherwise, you're not going to get that and, joke. <laughs> and part of why I insisted on Five that. Five years later. <laughs> because I knew that this episode was coming up and that that was a big joke in this episode. And uh, it and you wouldn't get it. Yep. Without a very clear understanding of what was going on in the yep. original pilot pilot yep. with all of that. That's 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 the long game right there. Oh well, you know, what else was I gonna do? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I couldn't tell you five years ago. Okay, so Brent, um <laughs> you really need to watch the original pilot of this episode because there is a joke that will happen way back at the end of season eight, which we won't get to for like five or six years. But uh, if, if, if you don't know this now, then that joke won't make sense then. So you better I get couldn't it have now. said that. Oh, that's funny. I mean, I could have. Yes. But that would have. That, that's not what we do. No, it's not what we do. It's not what we do. Oh, man. So thank you for that. That's that was awesome. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, it's a fun episode. Um, I don't know. I don't know if I have much more else to say. Um, you know, we, we have a ZPM. We have a new ship. Um, we don't know what's going to go happening with those. Nope. Uh, they're there. Um, but, and we have forked tongues, apparently. We got forked tongues, but that's close enough. It's close enough. Uh, you know what? I predict that we will never see anyone's forked tongues moving forward. But we will see fish in the pond. We already have. Um, I'm not sure we'll ever see fish again. I don't know. I can't remember. Uh, I, I believe that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No. Um, okay. So, it's probably time. Yeah. Mobius, parts one and two. Mm-hmm. The season finale of season eight of SG-1. Yeah. 
the soft finale of the original series. What'd you think? So what are you going to give it? I'm purposefully saving this little piece of analysis for right now. Okay. So you've been, and I am aware that there are big changes that are coming, and uh, and that was that's been unavoidable, right? And that's just that's just the nature of trying to do this kind of project almost twenty years after the show aired. You know, like it's been actually kind of remarkable that I've been able to keep myself as spoiler free on so many things as possible, and and in no small part to the listeners. Because you are participating in a community through Discord where I'm actively present and, I, and, and, and everybody's like respecting the thing. It's really good. It's really good. It occurred to me, Zach, as I yes. was complaining about Prime Alternate and Prime 2 versions of SG-1, that that storytelling, whether intentional or not, was literally, literally perfect. Literally. Both in the way of literal perfection but also kind of sliding in a little bit of a pun in the form of like literature perfect because what it allows for is for everything to be different that weird goofy ending that we got at the end there where it's prime sg1 but not really allows for anything that they want to do in season nine to be to be just 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 to just make sense and matter I suspect that they're going to tie things in. I don't think that they're going to try to pretend like it's like a whole new universe, but strictly speaking, it is. And so if there's anything about season nine, that's a little bit, a little bit wibbly, like doesn't really (laughs) make sense. Like that seems a little aggressive or that seems a little weird or that seems peculiar or that's that I needed to have more story in order to believe blah, blah, completely not it doesn't matter anymore. It doesn't matter. I don't need to see more story to explain Jack. Well, yeah, Jack. I don't even need. I, I don't even need a story to explain him. <laughs> I don't need anything because I was told through this episode that we aren't in the Prime World anymore. We're in another one where there's fish in the pond, and that move. I don't know if it was intentional or not. I kind of doubt it, but. I think that they were kind of sort of trying to get to a reset to zero, but not with the ZPM. Like, I think that's where they were aiming. But in doing so, they ended up telling a story that was more clever than that. It allow- it opens the door for seasons nine and 10 to be whatever the heck it wants to be. It can be 1.5 and it makes perfect sense. Like, it's glorious, Zach. This episode was a fan fest. It was delightful. It had beautifully wonderful acting. It was so much fun to watch these people play these characters in slightly different ways or in ways that were predictable. The story itself was definitely kind of weird, but if you didn't pay too close attention to the details, it was fun. You go back in time and again, and you try to fix it and you do that. Did it make sense within the context of the series? Eh. Did it make sense within the context of having a good time with the characters? Absolutely. Did it have callbacks? Tons of them. Did it have Easter eggs? Absolutely. Did it have, uh, did it, did it slow down? No, it was, it was, you know, the pacing was quite good. It was shot beautifully. It, they had homages left, right, and center. Like, it, I had so much fun with this episode, Zach. Mm-hmm. And it beautifully sets the stage for what's to come. This is an eight out of oh! seven. This was flawless, flawless. The flaws were even a part of the, of, of, of the enjoyment of the thing. <laughs> like it did 
such a good job. Did it actually do the great? No. Is this kind of like a Bane 8? Eh, a little bit, but you know what? I had a hoot. And here we are at the end of it with a ZPM and a Dautilus and something's going to happen with RDA and he's not going to be part of the show and they can make all sorts of changes and it won't matter because anything that doesn't quite line up can be easily written off as, well, yeah, that was prime. We're, we're in prime. We're in prime point five. This is Stargate SG 1.5. This is not SG one. And that that's okay. It makes sense. So I'm actually kind of excited to see well, I don't know. What's what does SG 1.5 get up to? Oh, let's go find out. I'm excited about the next next season, which is the perfect way to end it. And so in the sense of it being a series ender. Yeah, I can see that. And the and in the sense of it being a season ender. Sure. Why not? I mean, it's like perfect. Oh, so good. Eight out of seven for me. So what did you think? Um, so I was looking at how many other eights that you gave. Uh, uh one. And I'm seeing. Zero? No, you've given a few. Oh, okay. Uh, so you gave, I was looking back, you gave um, Unnatural Selection an eight. That's when we meet the human form replicators. Oh, yeah. Uh, you gave a Full Circle, that's the end of season six, an eight. Uh-huh. Uh, you gave Lifeboat a six, a seven, and an eight. And I don't remember exactly what happened. Lifeboat is the one with <laughs> Daniel Jackson having all those people in his brain. Yeah, I think um, I vaguely. Yeah, I might have to. I might. I might have to re-listen to our episode to figure that one out again. Yeah. Um. And then you gave Gemini from season eight, an eight. Um. That would be, uh, the, the and I can't. That's uh, it's the return. It's the second half of of. The opening of the second half. Yeah. Uh, 10 and 11 are uh, Endgame and Gemini. And now I'm just blanking on how that fits yeah, out. Yeah, undoubtedly I gave it an 8 because I could tell where the, the, that it was opening up a whole new chapter to the story. Um, then we gave a whole bunch of 7s in there. Yeah. Uh, and then here you got an 8. So this season... Oh, yeah. Um, you've given an 8 or a 7. I don't remember what you gave threads off the top of my head. I don't have it written down here. Um, Not a 7. Not a seven. I think you give it a six. Yeah. But you have uh, an eight for this. You had a seven for Mobius or for for Reckoning. You had a seven for Citizen Joe. Seven for It's Good to Be King. Eight for Gemini. Yeah. Seven for Avatar. Yeah. And I mean, so that. Well, I got to tell you, like, I know that people regard, uh, I don't, I know that people don't regard season eight as the strongest season, but um, time and time again, the individual stories did what they wanted to do really well. Yeah. Yeah. Including this one. Um, this one, this one was written to be a fan service episode and it just, just completely just shattered it in the good way. Yeah. All right. Are you ready for my prediction? Yes, please. Or for my, my writing. I'm trying to decide. <laughs> do you do it or not? You don't have to. This was my first uh, time. Uh, well, I understand. I mean, so, I think that so when I first watched this episode, I'm like, huh? Yeah. It just it felt weird to me. Yes. Um, because it was you know weird. coming off of threads, uh, and the reckoning. So you had this huge three part story arc type of thing going on, mm-hmm. and it ended, and then we got this other story that just kind of gets tacked on that doesn't 
clearly connect with anything that's happened before. Right. Um, and, and so it just kind of felt weird. And then it was this weird time travel thing that ended with close enough, which I thought was fun, but also weird like you. Mm-hmm. Um, if I mean, I, I don't know for sure, but I'd probably guess that, that my original supposition or original Chevron rating would have probably been something like a six. It was yes. good, but it was kind of, huh, I don't know what to do with it. Sure. Um, but, you know, I've gotten a chance to watch it more often now, several more times. Uh, I watched it this time, and, you know, this this time of watching, um, I watched both parts last night, yesterday afternoon, um, and I was just watching the episode, and I was having fun watching the episode, and, and I was just going for the ride, mm-hmm. right? And I'm like, oh, yeah, this is that part. There are some pieces that I couldn't quite remember uh, specifics, and I'm like, oh, that's what happens, and that's what happens. And, and you know, just all this thing. It was just a fun episode. And then I'm like, okay, so so I think I have a number in my head of what I want to give this episode. Yeah. And then I get on the, the, the microphone with my, my very good friend, Brent, and start talking <laughs> about this episode. Yeah. And, and, and I get to hear all of your, your, your thoughts and, and your, your critiques and, and your enjoyments and all of this stuff. And, you know, I, 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 I can't not give this an eight. <laughs> I'm glad I talked you up. <laughs> I mean, uh, so so I was definitely leaning into a seven. Yes. Uh, and the possibility of going into the stratosphere of eight uh, existed. Yes. But I was holding it at a seven, kind of waiting, kind of you know, just kind of letting things. I mean, like you, uh, these I don't like think about these these Chevron ratings ahead of time. No, most of the time. Yeah. I let this moment be itself. Yeah. And oh yeah. Let the number comes out. It's an eight. Yep, it's an eight. Awesome. Right. So, Brent. Yeah. We have various and sundry predictions. I'm there sure we quite do. quite a number that came through on the Facebook. Yeah. Uh, let me see if I can find them. Oh, boy. And I got a bunch on Discord, too. <laughs> yep. All right. Um, so, we start with... Uh, I think I might have to look in other places because I think we have more than this. But I'll start with Sean. Hi, Sean. Sean says, I did my prediction on Discord today. And there's a shot in the background of, like, when you're at the, the dunes and whatnot. Uh, there's actually a building kind of in the distance that didn't quite get um, uh, CG'd out of it. And so you oh. kind of <laughs> see it. Uh, so, incidentally, so this is the, the Richmond Sand Dunes, and they've been here for a whole bunch of times. Yes. Throughout the series, um, but it's an active, uh, like mining spot, or yes. you know, they 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 gather the sand there and make concrete out of it and such. Yeah. And so over the years, it's gotten smaller and smaller and smaller. And at this point in time, they literally have just this big horseshoe of dune and the sand in it. That's it. That's, That's all they it. have. <laughs> And so they're like, like, like if, if we focus the camera right here, it looks like this. But if we turn the camera just like it eh, that much, you see buildings. Yes. You see machinery. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Don't turn the camera too much. That's right. Um, uh, Sean does suggest that perhaps that's a TARDIS back in the distance there. Oh, and it could yeah, be. Yeah, it yeah, could yeah. be. Yep. Yep. All right. So then we have Adrian. Hi, Adrian. Adrian says. There are things that work brilliantly in this episode, but other things that don't work so much. Things that work. It feels like a movie. 
Yeah. The circular plot. Dr. Yeah. McKay doing the same dialogue as Atlantis about the jumper. Yeah. The actors are having a great time doing the different roles. Yeah. Kowalski. Yeah. The music is great, and it links back to the first episode. They get a ZPM without doing anything. Yeah. This <laughs> truly feels like a finale of the show. The ending, all fishing again, but there's fish this time. Yeah. Absolutely. Uh, one note here, uh, which highlights, normally, this kind of time travel episode just rankles me beyond all get out. Because oh, yeah. by the time you get to the end of the episode, we're back where we were at the beginning, and nothing mattered. Yep. Uh, now, in some cases, nothing mattered. They, they, the whole adventure that we saw didn't actually happen in terms of the characters that we are now watching from this time forward. But we do have a ZPM, so there's a little bit of difference, and this is done comedically, and it's all better. Yeah. Anyway, uh, Adrian continues with some things that don't work. Uh, alternate Carter and Jackson are a bit too annoying. Yeah. What a coincidence that only alternate Daniel Jackson from SG-1 died before going back in time. Yes. And original Daniel is the only survivor. Yep. I thought, I wondered how they were going to be doing the, the you know, like, more than one actor or whatever. They didn't, they didn't even well, bother. So, so, so actually, uh, uh, Peter DeLuise talked about that in the commentary and it said, they thought about that. They could have done that. Yeah. But they've already done episodes kind of like that in the past. Yeah. Uh, like with the, the robot SG-1 and such. Yes. Uh, and they're like, you know what? So we've done that already. We don't need to do that this time around. Yeah. And so they had some deus ex machina, some some writers uh, writing stuff, and they made it happen this way. Yep. And, you know, especially when you hear that, for my money, I'm okay with it. Yep. Uh, Adrian continues, uh, Carter is way too loose with time travel rules at the start. <laughs> uh, they decide to preserve the timeline in the past until they get bored. <laughs> <laughs> yeah lastly and it's a big one for me why don't we see the rebellion it feels like a big build up to nothing yep uh, okay fine overall i think brett will give this a six yeah and zach a five and a half yeah no that's that's reasonable but i am not always reasonable <laughs> <laughs> you think uh-huh <laughs> all right uh we have kim hi kim kim says I've always liked episodes that revolve around time travel, uh -huh. especially in SG in Stargate. Uh, I believe they do an excellent job filming these episodes. They make me laugh while giving the characters we have come to know and love a different perspective on them. Mm -hmm. I love how Amanda plays her character differently and gives Carter two her silly, nervous quirks. Mm -hmm. I also love her glasses. Yes. Uh, we also finally get the kiss we've all been waiting for. Uh huh. Ball. Uh, this is a seven chevron for her. Yeah. And she says, I hope the guys also give this episode a seven. Yeah. Close. Well, we, 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 we gave it up more there. than seven. A little bit more than that. Uh, and then we have Paul. Hi, Paul. Paul says, not sure if I will get this in on time. Get plenty of time, Paul. You got it. <laughs> Recently watched the episode and it would bring up a lot and it, and it would bring up a lot of questions yeah i really like this episode and the design of the puddle jumper zach gives it a six and brent gives it a six yeah close but don't step on any butterflies no butterflies don't do it twice no butterflies okay and that's what we got on the facebook okay should we go over to the discords let's take me over there all right so we got sean hi sean hi sean Sean says now that anubis is gone and the replicators are gone teal can smile all he wants David Hewlett is in on the credits, so we're going to Atlantis, right? Right? Holy 
buckets. O'Neill, pay attention to those fossils. Bellum, Bellum Knights, I don't know, are pretty cool, don't you know? AKA micrometer crystals that are certainly more than a micrometer. Did Rock Guy break the fourth wall? I don't know. <laughs> it did, uh, yeah, I think I know what you're talking know. about. Like, he looked like, you know, yeah, I, I think I remember the scene. Uh, hear that, Atlantis? Even if a ZPM was buried under a pyramid, SG-1 could find it. You could have avoided the new brotherhood altogether. No kidding. Hey, look at this <laughs> giant mask from the SG-1 intro. Wait. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> it's raw. I wonder if it's uh, I wonder if this alien raw. I wonder if this is the alien raw we saw from the movie. I also wonder that. Why is the ZPM glowing when it's not plugged in? I also wondered that part one is definitely an eight Chevron episode. Now, moving on to part two. Is it me or is it Teal or is Teal less scary this time around before he became Shulva? Perhaps it's the expectation he is good. That's a good read. Yeah. Part two, unfortunately, loses a Chevron for sexist comments and Teal'c having no character. He's just defaulted straight to SG-1 Team Teal'c we've, we've known for years instead of freshly rebelled Teal'c from Children of the Gods. That's a good read. Yeah. I do I love that. how yep. Jack now has fish in his pond. Overall, I think both Zach and Brent will rate this an eight. Sean, you got it. He goes on to say... If I split the two, it'll be an eight and a seven. But no, we do. We just do the one. So you got it. Yeah. Here's a photo, he says, when they've gone back 5,000 years, but they forgot to edit out a building in the background. Perhaps it's uh, the TARDIS. Yeah. Yeah. Actually, it does kind of yeah. look like a TARDIS. That's that's nice. That works. Uh, then JD has some responses about that. And okay. David has information about a Mobius. And then David then says... <laughs> Follow up to my email, which you have not read yet, <laughs> okay. which fits into the time travel shenanigans theme. Also, the time travel shenanigans now, because I'm reading something from my future written in my past about my future. So there we go. Yep. It seems like the episode was unnecessary, but it does have a major impact to the something upcoming in. Oh, spoilers. David, why did I read that? OK, fine. All right. We got Aaron. Hi, Aaron. Hi, Aaron. He says, I'm a sucker. Or she? I'm not sure. Uh, I'm a sucker for time travel and alternate universes, so this is my favorite SG-1 episode. The initial conversion conversation sorry, between Sam, Daniel, and Jack discussing the mission shows how far the team has come and how much has been built over the last eight seasons. Daniel convinces everyone that going back in time is, is a really, really good idea that won't get anybody, everyone stuck in the past, and shenanigans ensue. The time machine ship gets found. Sam doesn't let anyone go get it back. Is that is that really the wisest decision, given that the timeline changes anyway? And we end up with the alternate team. I die with the intro of other Daniel and the you make me so hot. <laughs> Michael Shanks <laughs> has lost a bit of his Spader emulation. Yes, yes. Has, has yeah. lost a bit of his Spader emulation with this version of Jackson. Amanda Tapping does a great job showing how uncomfortable Carter is in her own skin. And the writers make fun of Carter's opening reproductive organs line. Yep. McKay is somehow more slimy uh, than uh, his initial appearance and is somehow not allergic to citrus. Yes. I also noticed that. Yeah. Uh, Jack seems to be the same person in every reality. And Jackson is destined to die in every reality. <laughs> <laughs> it's unfortunate that Teal'c didn't get as much screen time as the rest of the crew did. Uh, the rest of the crew and wasn't as fleshed out as I would have wanted. Overall, watching the gang get back together and comfortable with each other was fun, and I really enjoyed it. The end of the entire team fishing was heartwarming. I give this an eight. 
with a shaky reasoning from Carter to start the plot and limited use of Teal and a quick and a quicker resolution at the end. I'm guessing a six from Brent and a five from Zach. Ah, ah. alas, we were right there with you with the eight. Yep. That was yep. that was that was that. There we go. All right. Then we got Elio. Hey, Elio. Elio. Hey. Mobius, when you walk on both si- when you walk both sides of the strip without ever turning a corner, these episodes are the most broken <laughs> when speaking about continuity. Why would Samantha Carter not be in the army? Too much butterfly effect should uh, could could be better explained. Also, all the actions of both episodes are cut just like the previous SG one episode. Hope they were saving for that next episode or sharing the budget with SGA. It's somewhat funny. I like the time machine. They all died two times on this topic. Daniel is still winning. <laughs> Oops. No, there's still O'Neill with ball uh, on the tortured episode. So SG one created the rebellion that freed us from raw, which led to where we are. Nice. I give this episode five for effort, three for action. So a four for me, there will be a long discussion about the sequence of events and how they could fit together. So I guess Zach will give it a four and a half and Brent will give it a five. Oh dear. Much better. Oh boy. Uh, P.S. Convenience that the team uh, discovered the ZPM two weeks before the, in the past to help with that. Yes. Right. <laughs> oh, we just, we just discovered it just now. Oh, good stuff. All right. Thanks, Elio. Thanks. Thanks, Elio. We got uh, Jen. Hi, Jen. Hi, Jen. Jen says, hi, guys, I'm going to keep this short as I'm pretty busy this week. So Kevin's note form it is one. My favorite performance is Amanda's by far. She changed all of Sam's usual mannerisms. The icing on the cake is the moment when she pulls her hand out of McKay and cleans it on her skirt. (laughs) (laughs) I I read somewhere that for this uh, AU Sam, Jacob was killed during a mission and she grew up with her mom and therefore not taking the military road. Got it. Yeah, that sense. Uh. Makes sense. Two. Daniel's hair looks horrendously horrendous, worse than all of Sam's wigs over the years combined. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I'll grant you that. Three. Yep. Poor Teal'c. They have certainly done him dirty these last few episodes. I would have at least liked to see a comeback of the goatee and some dialogue. Yeah, that would have been good if they brought the goatee back. I'd like that. Yeah. Four. Jack, uh, I love RDA. I love SG-1 as a team. That's why I keep returning to the old seasons. It's hard to see him go, but at least he's made up his mind and decides to follow his heart and get with Sam. There is a behind-the-scenes bit where he talks about the, uh, the hard parts of the job, like when he has to kiss Amanda. Wink. When I find it, I'm going to post it here. Uh, five. The story itself is kind of meh, but we get a functioning ZPM out of it and see the team as a team for the last time. It's like a good it's it's go eh. it's like going to a goodbye tour of your favorite rock band. They are past their prime, but you still love seeing them do what they do their thing. And the performance doesn't even matter all that much. In conclusion, I enjoyed this rewatch of Mobius more than ever. It's still the story. Still, the story remains a meh ish three and a half chevrons. Huh. <laughs> all in all, that's a five out of seven for watching the old SG one. Give their last hurrah food for thought is the Mobius team. Even the team we watched for eight seasons, or have they all died in old Egypt? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yes. That's what we were saying. Or at least yes. that's what I was saying. Brent. Uh, well, I was suggesting that too. Yeah, that's true. But uh, right. again, uh, y- y- if if you want to be by the book, for lack of a better term, yes. What we see moving forward is not what we have seen in the past. No, it is not. Um. Now, to be fair, there have been several other times travel episodes like with the mirror universes and whatnot that uh suggest that well maybe we're close but not quite yeah who knows yep um but in any case um we're we are 
watching somebody who is close enough to what we saw before, Yep, but aren't quite the same. Yeah, not quite. Jen concludes, Brent and Zach will honor the last team outing for what it is. Still, it's not SG-1 best in terms of plot, so we end up with a five and a half from Zach and a five from Brent. If he squints really hard all the time about the time traveling issues at hand. No, nope, nope. I liked it more than that. But thanks, Jen. Thanks for that. Thanks, Jen. Yeah, awesome. And then we've got Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Kevin. Hi, Brent. Hi, Zach. I fell asleep last night before I could watch. So I'm watching right now. Right now is today at 830. So like three hours ago. Uh, Hopefully I'll finish watching before you record. I woke up at 530 a.m. for just this reason. Wow. (laughs) Watching. Goodness. While watching and being in dire need of coffee, I took a few notes. One, wait, that's this episode? I forgot they killed off Catherine so late in the series. Mm. Two, hey, it's the archaeologist from the episode Heroes. I totally forgot this character came back. Three, shouldn't Earth have moved if they went back in time 5,000 years? Don't, don't look. Don't look too hard, Kevin. Just, just don't, don't look at that. Four, it's too bad they didn't get Jay, uh, Jay Davidson to reprise his old role as old role, old role as raw. I think I heard somewhere that they asked him. Cool. Five. Hmm. One of the best lines of the series. Hello, my name is Carlos. You make me so hot. <laughs> Six. It's suggested in Atlantis that the puddle jumper gate controls have a limited range. So it's surprising that they would be able to reach Antarctica. However, this Jumper was built after Atlantis, so maybe Janus has made some improvements. Yeah, there you go. Ah. Seven. Kowalski! Yay! Yay! Eight. I assume the tape mentioned the Kawoosh, so the entire ship wasn't vaporized. Uh, that would have been an awkward season finale. <laughs> <laughs> Eight. I guess in this time, I guess in this timeline, the address of the Tari wasn't lost. Yes, right. Ten. Katep sure looks familiar, uh, almost like we've seen him in the future. No, no, actually, we've seen him in the past in both ways of thinking that. Eleven, we have seen the jumpers be damaged by wraith weapons before, which made the jumper unable to retract its side pods. However, when under siege by Ra, by Ra's Jaffa, even when completely surrounded, it seems to not have had much of an impact for the jumper's functionality. I guess I could just say these staff weapons are 5,000 years less advanced. Yes. And remember, they are there for show, not functionality. That's true. It's been a while since I watched this and is such a departure from the previous episodes and was better than I remembered. I predict sevens from Brent and Zach. Very close. See you next time for Atlantis. Yes. There we go. Thanks. Thank you, Kevin. Thanks, everybody. Yeah. Uh, anything else on the that's discords? That's, that's the last of the discords. All right. Well, we have uh, a few emails. Yes. So we'll get to the first one is from Jacob. Hi, Jacob. Uh, Jacob says. Uh, so he had some stuff about last week's episode. So we'll kind of skip that. For this season's finale, I wanted to remind you how special this time in SG-1 is. I really appreciate the long-developed Stargate SG-1. We are currently watching, and I am especially looking forward for two more exciting seasons of SG-1 with both of you. Mm-hmm. I hope you enjoy the time we are currently having, because for me, peak SG-1 is happening now. Uh-huh. Um, he says, uh, Zach will give this an eight. Yes! And Brent, a seven. Oh, so close! So close! Uh, and then he says... Uh, 
season nine is going to be fantastic as well, smiley face. Uh-huh. <laughs> um, so that's from Jacob. <gasps> nice. Uh, Jacob is also from Germany, Brent. Um, and uh, he's the one that several months ago uh, sent us, no, several months, almost a year ago, uh, sent us an email with the titles of episodes, uh, or titles of seasons oh, in German. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and I've been holding on to this because I didn't want to spoil beyond where we had gotten, but uh-huh. we just finished season eight. Uh, and so, uh, the season eight title in Germany is yeah. in die Zukunft und wieder zurück. Uh, and, and for you dear German listeners, I'm terribly sorry about that. <laughs> I did take German in high school, but that was a long time ago. That was, that was a, quite a while ago. Uh, that was like 30 years ago. Ah, uh, we're just going to squint. We're not going to we're not going to yeah. worry about that part. Uh, anyway, uh in, in in English translate that it's into the future and back. Oh. Yeah. That's so, the title for the season? That was the title for the season. That that only happened once. Well, uh, y- <laughs> I, 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 you got nothing. We got. We don't. I got okay. nothing. All right. Okay. There it is. Right. So. So there. There it is. Um. All right. And then we've got a uh, prediction from Lydia Ann. Hi, Lydia Ann. She says one of the properties of a Mobius strip is that it is non-orientable. It mm. is a non-orientable surface. Yeah. I think that translates to there's no one right way up. Yeah. My current read cranky, tired, pained thoughts on Mobius are that for as much as reckoning threads in Mobius feel like one grand sweeping arc, we spend much of the last hour with some half-baked alternate universe Tauri and a cardboard version of Teal'c. I don't like it. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> so our current version of SG-1 gets a ZPM with no work on their part, and if you're paying attention, you know exactly where that ZPM is headed. So the episode really isn't about SG-1 team we've spent eight years enjoying. It's about the MacGuffin. That feels cheap. Hey, that's a valid criticism. <laughs> I'm probably in the rare space of being more cranky about plot than Brent will be. Yes. So failing, uh, so flailing guess uh, is Brent gives it a four and Zach a six. <laughs> nope. Double it. <laughs> double it. Yeah. Well, Brent's not mine. Yes. Uh, increase it by 50%. Yes. Uh, she says, P.S. Anyway. I have a hot take oh, that O'Neill is a terrible fisherman, and there have been fish in his pond all along. <laughs> also, fish tend to happen in uh, in in healthy waters. Just saying. That's true. Although, if the even if a healthy you have a healthy water, if there is no oh no outside source, yeah, how it can still fish? happen. You get because bird poop. Oh, yeah. Uh, maybe not the poop, but you know what I'm saying? Like there's yeah. ways for fish eggs to get into, into healthy waters. And so you yeah. can have, you can have fish in, in isolated little areas. Um, so she says also she has access to discord again and will elaborate there. Okay. So I haven't seen that elaboration, but I look forward to reading it. Yes. And then finally we have David's confusing loop for a Chevron encoding bias. What? Buffer. Where? What? Uh, Hi, David. Yeah. Uh, time travel stories often make my head hurt, he says. Yes. 
They go back in time to do the thing, but end up changing things that prevents the future they came from, meaning they could not have gone back in time to do the thing. Right. So to fix things, the same but different people go back in time to do a different thing to prevent the other thing. But of course, if they do that, then the others didn't do the thing. Yep. That means that the originals didn't have to do the thing that, but they did. Oh a different yeah, they thing sure instead. did. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But if the originals didn't have to do the thing, then the others didn't either. Which means they have the ZPM they wanted from the past, and they're are now fish in the pond. Yes. So who did what now, and when did they do it? Yeah. <laughs> no. <laughs> Mobius Loop, he says. Yep, that's right. For more fun on a Mobius Loop, click on this link. You know, whenever you get an email, uh, <laughs> you're not supposed click to click the links. Link. <laughs> it's a fishing test. You passed. Oh, okay. <laughs> there are fish in my pond. Ah, hey uh, Suffice it to say, a Mobius Loop has no start or end or side or whatever. It's simply endlessly looping back on itself in a rather confusing manner. Just like this story. Uh-huh. Uh, effect precedes cause, which precedes effect. Oma, is that you? <laughs> uh, anyway, this is a confusing but fun story. None of it should work because if they didn't, then how could the fire and the meal thing happen? Yep. Yep. At least we got to see Ra and Anubis again. Sure. Sure. Question. Which O'Neill, Carter, Teal'c, Daniel is in the past? Yeah. Yeah, those are all legit questions. So, Brent will give this six chevrons for a fun but confusing story. Zach will also give this six chevrons for a confusing but fun story. (laughs) See, it loops in on itself. I I, I noticed that. Ah, so close. All right. Well, those are the emails. Very nice. Thanks, everybody. All right. Thanks, everybody. That was great. I appreciate that. Okay, Brent. Yes. The time has come for the season finale, season one finale of Stargate Atlantis. Yeah. The episode is called The Siege. The Siege. And I ask you, what is The Siege about? Um, The Siege. Uh, uh, next time on Stargate Atlantis, our Atlantis friends have had enough. They have been running around this Pegasus galaxy trying to find their ZPMs and trying to find their allies and trying to find their resources. And they have struck out more times than they have hit a base run. You see, after an entire year of attempting to procure the ability to stay put on the city of Atlantis, they have finally conceded defeat. They must relocate, as they had been uh, 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 insinuating in the last episode. Not, of course, to the Alpha site. That place has been compromised. And no, they will not be staying in the city trying to hold off the enemy. Indeed, they have a better plan than that. You see, while they have been struggling to find the ability to stay in the city, they have, of course very reasonably been concentrating on sources on land. But you see, that was their mistake. If you cannot endure the harsh reality of the ocean that the city is upon, then perhaps you should try to endure it in the ocean. 
Whoa! Yes, you see. Now there is in their new plan. Now, so they cannot put the city back down under the surface because there is not enough power to power the shields. That is the whole point of this conundrum. But the reason that that's an issue is because of the forces, the hydrostatic forces that would be crushing the city. Now, while it is not a perfect analogy, that is similar to the problem that you endure if you're on a surface of a planet that has higher gravitational force than the one you are used to. It is a problem of crushing. And that gives Dr. Rodney McKay the idea. He shouldn't be concentrating on restoring the shields through energy. No, no. They should be attempting to... Allow the city to endure the crushing forces of the water itself. Yes. And in that insight, all of a sudden, he starts to come up with a plan to save the city and perhaps give them another season. I mean, another chance at life. (laughs) And so he decides to go and find the solution. Now, being the clever individual that he is, he decided to come up with a name. He decided that the Puddle Jumper shouldn't be named the Puddle Jumper because that's a stupid name. It's not jumping puddles. It is a gate ship. It is a ship that goes through the gate. That is a logical name. And so, while it is indeed hydrostatic forces that are are going to be the problem, dealing with things that are called the sea hydrostatic problem just doesn't work very well. It's a mouthful. He likes things to be short and to the point. So he decides to give in to the inaccuracies. And just call it a G. And so he is going to find the siege. 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 He's going to find the siege. Join us next time on Stargate Atlantis, where Rodney McKay saves the day with the siege. Is that anything like experiencing beige? That's spelt with a J. This is spelt with a G. I'm... I'm (laughs) I'm, I'm asking for a friend. Uh, it's probably similar to experiencing beach. Do you know that uh, from time to time, I still have occasion to, uh, to, to, to shout for no good reason. Experience beach. And it's, it's, it's a delight. We, we laugh every time, every time. Okay. So dear listeners, I your think, homework, I your, think, your, 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 your mission. Should you choose to accept it? Leave it, leave it is to figure out what it is that we're talking about. There you go. If you figure it out, say something. Yeah. On Discord. Yeah. Or email us. You know what? No, better better yet, don't do email us oh, at walking through the stargate at gmail.com. I'm just curious to see how many people know what we're talking about and bother to email us. That's a I'm good I'm just curious. Yeah. Okay. I won't say anything more about that. Walking through the stargate. Uh, but every at once gmail.com. in a while, it wasn't actually not too long ago, Brent, uh, that uh, we uh, ex- were came across the catalyst for experience beige uh-huh. and 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 thought of uh, of a, a great time with friends oh yes so yes so indeed um, uh, suffice it to say yeah am i right uh, we should watch the promo of what this episode is actually about i bet you it's gonna have g-forces uh it, it could it could okay i'm ready all right are you ready yeah i'm hitting play now Next time on the season finale of Stargate Atlantis. That's a lot of ships. That's a lot of ships. At least I'm not interested in destroying Atlantis. They're coming here to get to Earth. They can only do that by going through the Stargate. Which means stealing the city, which is why we have a self-destructive... 
the Wraith have arrived to capture Atlantis here, but they will oh, find yeah. Atlantis is not undefended. Oh boy, they went, they ripped right through that. Dr. Weir. Wait, what? What? Yes. Colonel Dylan Everett, United States Marine Corps. You should know General O'Neill sends his compliments on the job well done under extraordinary circumstances. You are believed, sir. Oh, oh wow. Colonel, I don't think you fully grasp my situation. Here. You have three Wraith hive ships bearing down in your position and precious little to defend yourselves with. Okay. Here they come! Uh -oh. It's all next time on Stargate Atlantis. Huh? Oh boy. Oh boy. Okay. All right. Okay. Okay. All right. I mean, I knew that, like, as I alluded to before, that there was going to have to be some kind of an armada of some kind. I, I, I didn't think it was going to be that. Well, next time we will watch Stargate Atlantis this episode, The Siege, Part uh -huh. One and Two together. Yes, and we will talk about it next time. Now, I should uh, we should alert people. We got to give them warning. There yes. is a chance that we'll record next weekend, but there's also a chance that we won't. And there's also a chance that we won't record the weekend after that, but there's also a chance that we will. Yes. So it might be a few weeks. And if that's the case, sorry, but that's just that 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 happens. But it also just might literally be next week. We, I mean, you, you will find out. It'll drop when, when it drops. We say, hey, send us your predictions. Yeah, that's right. There, we'll there's do that. Because David's going to remind us a day ahead of time. Yes. Sometimes we remember before he re reminds us. Yes. Uh, uh, sometimes you don't. But but he'll remind us a day ahead of time, and then we'll send out those those prediction uh, requests, and and then you'll know that that we're planning to record the next day, unless yep. something really really weird happens. But yeah, that's, that's you know yeah, that's it. that happens. So but, yeah. anyway, anyway, so uh, tell us what you think about uh, Experience Beige and yes. anything else about uh, Stargate uh, SG One and Atlantis up until this point. Email us at walking to the Stargate G One dot com. Of course, go to the, the Facebooks, go to the Discords, all of those things. Uh, and with all of that, I say, I'm Zach. And I'm Brent. And this has been Walking Through the Stargate. See you next time. Bye. Carter, dial it up. Get these people home. <laughs> <laughs>